When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. On 9-11, our nation made a commitment to never forget. Since then, it's been the Tunnel to Towers Foundation honoring those words with action. So many people gave their lives while saving others on 9-11. Tunnel to Towers carries forward that legacy of courage and heroism by honoring our country's military and first responder heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F in Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, how are you doing on this fine Sunday, very early morning? We're going to church this morning, friends. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. It is a little bit earlier than normal. Later than we wanted to, but a little bit earlier than normal, I guess, huh? (laughs) Mr. Ainsworth is not a fan of the touch bar on Max, so um, (laughs) we'll see if we can get Mac to actually ever be a sponsor of this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, I watched the UFC last night. Yuri Prochaska, I just wanted to say this because we're going to do our Ghost Stars Detentions. He's not going to be on it. He is incredible. Mr. Ainsworth, I know you're not a fight guy, but if you ever liked Chuck Liddell, you would love this guy. He knocked someone out with a spinning back elbow yesterday. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone get knocked out with a spinning back elbow, Mr. Ainsworth. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> so you three, should check him out. Spinning back elbow are three different words that sound kind of scary. So I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ainsworth, let's go ahead and jump into our gold stars. You want to go ahead and hit us with your gold stars first, sir? Yeah. So my first two kind of work together, and they're about the NFL draft. Uh, we're actually going to break down the NFL draft a little bit more later. But my first NFL draft gold star goes to whoever does the suits for the Alabama guys. The draft day <laughs> suits from Alabama in particular, whether that was Waddell, whether that was Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, you know, had a classy look. Like those guys were dressed to the nines, and it was very consistently <laughs> the Alabama guys. And then my other 
uh, NFL draft gold star goes to the Chiefs fan whose name was kind of lost in the shuffle, but announced a, I believe it was fourth round pick. Maybe it was a third round pick, but he got on one knee and proposed to his now fiance hey. afterwards. And I was like, oh, that was that was very creative and clever. And she said yes, just like the Chiefs player hey. had to say yes because he got it right. So very very cool moment. No, um, saying yes is always a big deal. So like happy that that she said yes, <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth. Let me hit you with my NFL draft gold star. My NFL draft gold star. Who do you think is going to Mr. Ainsworth? The University of Kentucky. We had six <laughs> players drafted yesterday, Mr. Ainsworth. We had more players drafted than Oklahoma. We had more players drafted than Oregon. We had more players drafted than Clemson, Mr. Ainsworth. Oh, by the way, we have more players drafted in Texas too. Well, I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings. We have the most <laughs> we have the most players drafted since 1979. Shout out to Mark Stoops. He's building a program. Something special is going on in Lexington. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your next gold star, sir? Uh, obviously, I'm going to hand out a gold star. No, I'll, we'll save the obvious one for a minute. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next gold star is going to the Pioneer League, which is a minor league baseball league that instituted a new rule in the last. I don't actually know when. It's it's for this upcoming season. I guess I don't want to pass, but I just heard about it this past week where much like soccer, when the game ends, they're going to go to a home run derby of sorts. Hitter <laughs> awesome. for hitter, you get at least five hitters, much like the penalty kicks in soccer. And that sounds awesome. <laughs> Minor League Baseball should be about all of these things, anything to get more people like excited about it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of A, speeding up the game, and B, home runs, and C, creativity. That's a fun, <laughs> fun thing. The PGA Tour should go to longest drive at the end of tied tournaments. I think that'd be cool too. Um, my, my next gold star goes to Bob Baffert, Medina Spirit, Kentucky Derby yesterday, best two minutes in sports. Mr. Ainsworth and I both posted on our Instagram about the libations we were having. So uh, you could always go check those out. But Bob Baffert literally says, hey, listen, I don't know if I got a horse that could win the Derby this year. But what I know about Medina Spear is that this horse will give you everything that it has. And yesterday it gave everyone everything that it had. Bob Baffert now breaks the record with his seventh Kentucky Derby winner. Shout out to Big Money Bob, because that's what he does in all these races. B.O.B., bet on Baffert, friends. <laughs> Mr. Hainsworth? <laughs> well, and all, I'll say, all I'll say about the libations is I could probably drink mint syrup on its own <laughs> like, that's all i'll say um no so my last gold star i think is something i saw you gold star on twitter as well but i have to be the one to bring it up because my young man kevin porter jr dropped 50 <laughs> and 11 50 and 11 on the milwaukee bucks that's the same milwaukee bucks that have drew holiday pj tucker and Giannis antetokounmpo and a top of the league defense top five in the league defense and he went for 50 and 11 on just 26 shots i saw someone point out that the day after he got fined $50,000 for being in a nightclub. He dropped 50 and 11 on 26 shots. Who said James Harden left Houston? I love it. I love <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr. This is fantastic. It's a great, great job for the young guy. Um, bright future ahead. Hopefully not the only game we have 50 and 11, but it was nice to get a win. No, absolutely. And incidentally, I called dibs on that gold star and you stole it from me. So whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, my final gold star goes to South Carolina women's basketball because they, this weekend, signed Camila Cardoso, who is a six foot seven center from Brazil, but who played at Syracuse this year, transferred. Syracuse has issues because apparently they had 11 players from the women's basketball team enter the transfer portal, but that's a detention for another time because we have to figure <laughs> out what's going on there. But 
they already had the top recruiting class, Mr. Ainsworth, and now they get the top transfer in Cardozo. So Don Staley is really like building it to try to win this national championship. It's going to be fun to watch collegiate women's basketball next year for sure. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your first detention, sir? So my first detention is going to go to a brand beloved to my heart, and that's the Jordan brand. Because <laughs> last week, if you remember listening, I pointed out that they'd get an extra gold star if they gave us one of Zion's robes in that in that commercial for his sneakers. Not only did they not send us a robe, which is not really the <laughs> Those things aren't real. I've looked far and wide. I am actually in the market for a robe, and I cannot find the Jumpman robe. It was probably going to be too expensive anyway and not worth whatever I was going to But I can't find it anywhere. Why are you putting <laughs> this in a commercial if I cannot find it for sale? I love that. It's probably too expensive, and it's probably worth more than I was going to pay for it. That's literally what you were about to say. So you were still going to buy it. Um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Ainsworth, my first detention is a conditional detention because I got to see how this Pelicans versus Warriors game goes. But on May 3rd, the NBA is partnering with Marvel to kind of do this game. And if this is not as good as the Nickelodeon football game, why bother? This better be <laughs> awesome. I expect graphics. I expect Thanos. I expect the Avengers. I expect awesome and analysis in this game. Uh, and I will just say that everything I've read is leading me to be disappointed. I am hopeful, though, Mr. Ainsworth. I will be watching. NBA, do not screw this up. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, how about your final detention, sir? My last detention is going to go to Kevin Love and the Cleveland Cavaliers kind of as a whole. So the clip that's gone viral was earlier this week, Kevin Love get the ball underneath the basket after a made basket. He's going to inbound. And he just kind of like taps the ball out, which of course means that the Raptors pick up a steal, right? And hit a three right away because he tapped it in completely the wrong direction. Wasn't looking, was just frustrated. Kevin Love is normally not that guy, right? He went out and afterwards apologized to his team, or whatever, but something's not right there. Cause then on Friday night, Kevin Love turned back around and took zero shots in 22 minutes. Um, <laughs> something like, apologies can just be words sometimes and something is not gelling there i do feel like kevin love is one of those missed buyout guys not sure what he's doing on the Cavs. they don't seem to have timelines to fit up and the Cavs without him would still be entertaining right because you have sex in you have garland you have jared allen they have fun pieces together there without him it's not like they need him for views i just don't get what's going on there so detention of that whole situation no, absolutely. And it's not like they need him because they really haven't had him a ton this year, right? Like, right, ever since right. he signed the big money contract, they really haven't had him a ton. Um, it's just interesting because he's killing any sort of trade value, which his contract would kill anyway. But, okay, we buy him out, and this is his attitude. Like, it feels like he's killing his buyout market, too, which is just nuts. I hope, because Mr. Ainsworth, we know that Kevin Love has talked about kind of mental health pieces. Like, I hope it's not connected to that. If it is, then I'll retract this detention. That being said, if you're just being a jerk, I they should find a way to like void his contract. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, my final detention goes to everyone who pointed out Trey Lance's lack of experience, but did not point out Mac Jones's lack of experience <laughs> because that feels that that doesn't feel good. The reality is is that both of those guys played the same number of games in college. Well, all I heard was that Trey Lance lacks the experience to be a top five draft pick. He was third in the draft. 
and Mac Jones somehow has this level of experience. They're literally both national championship quarterbacks. They just did it at different levels, played the same number of games. So whatever is whatever. You guys can figure out what the difference between Trey Lance and Mac Jones is. It's the well, haircut. They're dead. Yeah, haircut. yeah. It's absolutely. It's no tough. <laughs> it's how fast they walked up to the podium to go get the hat. That was nuts. Um, friends, we will uh, have an NFL draft recap. We'll do it SAT style. We will also talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, uh, but we'll talk about the draft first, unlike ESPN. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then we will talk about whether or not Madison Bumgarner threw a no-hitter, because baseball should really talk about this. Without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Friends, it is time for the NFL Draft SATs, part due. Uh, this time it's personal, Mr. Ainsworth. Um, we will do our <laughs> NFL Draft recap now that we spent the weekend hold up watching nfl draft and of course finding two minutes to watch the kentucky derby uh mr ainsworth we'll start our sats with a fill in the blank question blank won the nfl draft so mr ainsworth as you think about who won the nfl draft i'm going to tell you that the southeastern conference won the nfl draft <laughs> mr ainsworth once again the sec for the fifth straight year according to CBS had the most players taken in the NFL draft of any collegiate football conference I don't know what the record is I imagine that it's that though like <laughs> I can't imagine that any other conference had more than 15 years consecutively winning this thing and here's the ultimate Mr. Ainsworth the SEC set the record for the most picks from one conference in a single draft and Mr. Ainsworth I knew something was up when I saw all these Missouri players going off the board because right. I was like, well, hold on a second. Missouri's not good. But then, like, <laughs> there were, like, three guys from Missouri who kind of went off rapid fire. There was a defensive lineman, a safety, a running back. A Roundtree actually is decent as the running back. He ran for, like, 180 yards against either Arkansas or Georgia or somebody like that. And I was like, oh, that dude can play. When I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. We're going to do pretty well. Like, the SEC is definitely going to do well. And, of course, all the Kentucky guys who go off. And Kentucky yeah. probably had a couple more guys who could have went. So um, we ended up setting the record with 65, which is amazing. Well, and so I could go on, like, like well, they have, you know, 14 teams and, like, so-and-so has 12. But I think <laughs> the real thing that happened this year is that normally – so when, whenever that happens the SEC, because it's happened 14 of the times, right – you look at it as like Alabama kind of carries more than its fair share of the weight because Alabama's got this dynastic program for so long. Every now and then LSU pops up and does the same. Like those kind, those kind of things happen. This year, while Alabama still had a lot, obviously, yeah, ten, it, so they did well, right, very well. Um, it, I thought it was interesting that it looked like it was closer to being evenly spread out after that, right? Where like usually the SEC has a couple of heavy hitters and then like one or two Kentucky guys, one or two Missouri guys, like you're saying. It looked like to me that. This year, it was much more evenly spread out. And again, Kentucky, like you said, had a good year. Missouri had their string. It, it was interesting to see happen. Anyway, I could go on a lot, lot longer thing about that. My my winner, if I look at the deal, is a handful of teams. But I really like what Miami did. Miami being the Dolphins, not the University of Miami. Although they did have some guys <laughs> they drafted, They did fine, too. too. They did fine, too. <laughs> <laughs> they did fine. I, I really liked what the Miami Dolphins did, adding Waddle in the first round. I also think it's worth pointing out, like, I hope they asked Tua, which of these Alabama receivers do you like throwing to? Because there were two really good ones available. And if he had any say in the matter, um, I hope I hope they at least gave him some say. But then they went right back to, they drafted a couple linemen later rounds and a tight end to kind of help protect their young quarterback. They're, like, really building around this guy, whereas they could have, 
you know, gone all in on Penae Sewell early. They got Lyman later when they could have gone, you know, jumped in this. I, we just saw the Arizona Cardinals a couple years do the back-to-back first-round quarterbacks and, and change gears. They didn't do that. They're sticking with their guy. I, I, I like what they did. Um, so, incidentally, Mr. Ainsworth, you said a couple of things that just triggered some thoughts in my mind. Number one. Have you seen the meme that's going around, which is like uh, when Tua sees Jalen Waddle in the locker room, and it's the it's the <laughs> meme from the movie Juice where GQ's at his locker and then he closes it, and Tupac's like right there because I don't know if you guys remember that uh, Jalen Waddle said that he actually liked Mac Jones better for his style of play, and uh, there's a very funny line from Mr. Ainsworth. A couple of podcasts back, you guys need to go check out the uh, the uh, catalog to make sure that you hear that. The second thing, Mr. Ainsworth, <laughs> because this will lead me into blank lost the NFL draft. Um, it's a stunner. Drafting offensive linemen to support your young quarterback. Why not? Uh, Mr. Ainsworth. Right, completely. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, uh, blank <laughs> lost the NFL draft. The Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals lost the NFL draft. And here's why, Mr. Ainsworth. Because they took Jamar Chase and not Panay Isul, which is fine. You want to take the receiver that uh, Joe Burrow is used to throwing to, I guess I get it. You think Jamar Chase is the best receiver in the draft? I guess I get it. What I would ask is, how many times has the guy who we have identified, Mr. Ainsworth, as the best receiver in the NFL? How many times has that guy won a Super Bowl? Well, and it's just the impact of the of like one player on the game, right? We just saw last Super Bowl how much losing a single left tackle impacted all of Patrick Mahomes' <laughs> game. <laughs> and incidentally, like we could go back and look. We have to go back to like Jerry Rice, like for real, to say the best receiver won the Super Bowl. Like, Terrell Owens didn't when he was the best. Randy Moss didn't when he was the best. Julio Jones didn't when he was the best. Larry Fitzgerald hasn't. Like, anyway, here's what the Cincinnati Bengals did. They took Jamar Chase. They took Jackson Carmen, who's a offensive tackle. They took Joseph Osai, who's your boy out of Texas. Here's what they could have done. They could have taken Panayi Sewell. Then, if you want to take the receiver out of LSU that Joe Burrows used to throw into, take Terrence Marshall. He was there in the second round. Then you could have got Quinn Minerts in the third round, and now you would have drafted two offensive linemen to build up that offensive line and got the receiver, right? So, to me, that's what the Bengals should have done. That's why they lost. Uh, Mr. Well, Ainsworth, I'm just curious as to who your loser is, uh, but I, sounds like you want to follow up. I was also going to say Cincinnati, and so that's why I, I think it's funny. Like, you could almost <laughs> – the fact that their draft line was not heavily influenced by the large scar on Joe Burrow's knee is int- interesting to me. <laughs> um, and I get, like, don't get me wrong, Jamar Chase is a pro's pro. After Kyle Pitts, I think we're all kind of taking a crapshoot as to who could have been the next receiver taken. It absolutely could have been Jamar Chase. He's absolutely a top 10 pick. And that Alabama-LSU game from two years ago, or 18 months ago at this point, had, I think I saw the number was 24, but I could be reading that wrong, 24 different players from that game, like starters in that game are currently NFL players after the draft, right? Like That, <laughs> that was, sounds about right, by the way. <laughs> that's tremendous, right? Tremendous. Um, you, I mean... Anyway, that, that's a big, big deal. But what I will say is that I understand, even if Joe Burrow said, hey, man, I really like this Jamar kid, or if the owner was like, oh, man, a highlight receiver that Joe likes is going to be awesome, and that's great, that's fine, that's dandy. While I give Joe Burrow a hard time for being old for a rookie quarterback last year, he's still not very old. You don't need to be asking <laughs> him for what he wants. Your job is to make, make the picks that do the best for your team, and I just don't understand how you pass up Penny Sewell there. Penny's going to be fine. He'll do great. But you could have had him protecting Joe Burrow for the next 10 to 15 years, and now you don't. 
Listen, he's got uh, better property values in Detroit, so Panace will be able to buy a bigger house now. Congratulations to him. Um, Mr. Ainsworth, let's go ahead and jump into grading the teams that we root for in the NFL draft. So I'm going to start with a grade for the New York Jets. So here's the deal, Mr. Ainsworth. I break this down because I firmly believe that the Jets get a C on this draft overall because they shouldn't have gotten rid of Sam Darno. Because if they kept Sam Darno, with that second pick in the draft, you could have taken Pitts to support Darno, right? If you start looking at the Jets' draft overall, right, they come back, they get Elijah Vera Tucker. You could have still gotten him. You got Elijah Moore in the second round. You still could have gotten him. Of course, you could have gotten a running back too, but whatever. My whole deal is taking Darno throws everything off or getting rid of Darno, trading Darno throws everything off. What I will say is I'll give them an A based on the fact that they didn't keep Darno. So if you don't keep him, you have to get a quarterback. You got Zach Wilson. I like Justin Fields. That's fine. It feels like if you're going to get rid of Darno, you have to take a quarterback high. If you like Zach Wilson, awesome. Take, take that guy. That's fine. They got the guard. They got the receiver to support him. They got the running back. They did all the things that they did not do for Darno by going offense with the next three picks after taking the quarterback. So... I will give them an A based on that. And incidentally, Mr. Ainsworth, it is interesting. The Jets literally drafted everyone named Michael Carter. If your name was Michael Carter, you were getting drafted <laughs> by the Jets in this draft. So I think that's interesting as well. Well, I actually have a question for you on that because I think it's interesting too. I think if you're right that if there's a sunk cost of you're getting rid of Sam Darnold, then you have to go quarterback. It changes their draft strategy, and then they did very well. Obviously, people in these war rooms watch film very differently than I. They get paid a lot more to do this than you know, I do to host this podcast, <laughs> or frankly, to coach the high school football we coach, right? But I, I look or frankly, at it, to teach the classes that we teach, right? <laughs> or, or do absolutely anything. But what I will say is that when I watched the tape, I wouldn't have been as high on their draft after the sunk cost as you, because I just still, as we sit here, it's all happened. The draft is over. He was picked. I don't understand taking Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. After what, and I, I pulled up some all 22. I watched the throws. I watched the off balance, off platform. This, I, I like, I still don't really get it. Uh, I don't either. I would take it Fields, but I've already said that. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Like, so, based, based on the fact that they needed a quarterback, they got one. Okay. Like, yeah, and, and that's, and that's, they needed one, and they did get one. And frankly, Everyone else had him as a top whatever guy, too. It just seemed like once they said that that was their guy, no one seemed to question it anymore after that. Whoa, 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 whoa. At least one person you know questioned it and still continues to. But I guess what I'm saying is they got one of the top quarterbacks in this draft, so I'm going to give them the A. They also took a Kentucky guy, Brandon Eccles. Very happy about that. Um, (laughs) There's the A. There's the A. (laughs) Mr. Ainsworth, how would you grade the Dallas Cowboys draft? I'm going to go like a B plus. So obviously the Dallas Cowboys, when Dak Prescott is healthy, their big issue was defense. Even when Dak Prescott was healthy last year, they weren't winning a lot of games, but they were losing them like 45 to 43, right? Like, And the one win they had when Dak Prescott was healthy, you remember was that Atlanta game that they had to have the crazy onside kick, oh, right? Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. All that stuff, right? <laughs> so they won a lot of defense. Um, I actually texted you over the weekend because there were defensive players I might have thought positionally – like Jabril Cox and stuff, I might have stuck in the secondary or whatever. Um, I understand the Micah Parsons pick, right? The two corners went before uh, their picks. They couldn't have gotten J.C. Horn or Patrick, Patrick Sertan. Sertan. 
right? And so as they sit in there and they don't have either one, they trade back two picks and still have Micah Parsons on the board at 12. It's like, oh, we can't, you can't pass out the best defensive player in the draft, right? Like, like I understand that the other two teams went corner and so technically it's the third defensive player taken or whatever it was, but Micah Parsons was the best defensive player in this draft, even though the only two decent defenders on the Dallas Cowboys entire roster are also linebackers and there's some redundancy <laughs> there. I, I understand why they went it there. I just didn't understand why they also went linebacker in the fourth with other guys on the board in the fourth. Um, unless because all the tape and I had to go back and watch some stuff after because I got to be honest, I didn't necessarily like study Jabril Cox a whole lot of his one year at LSU because <laughs> he was just at LSU the one year. It looks like he is a coverage type guy. I texted you like, is he a down safety? I don't, or is it the kind of deal where are just getting insurance because as you very quickly pointed out, if the greatest ability is availability, Dallas does not have a very great linebacking <laughs> court. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. And then the re- other reason it comes down to a B plus or a B for me is this Josh Ball guy does not seem like a great guy, which is very uh, par for the course for Jerry. But like, <laughs> Jerry, like, why, why are we spending a fourth round pick on a guy on, on something like that? Like, this continues to be an issue with the Dallas Cowboys. I get that someone was going to take him, I guess. But why'd it have to be us? Like, why, 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 why us? <laughs> That's why one us? of the reasons why Micah Parsons apparently dropped. People were worried about, like, some of his uh, kind of issues. I just go back to teaching in Fort Worth and someone talking about the Cowboys thugging it up. And I was like, oh, well, maybe that. I don't know. Maybe that's the issue here. Maybe, listen, you got to have some guys that got some attitude. So I understand that. But, yeah, there's definitely some questionable attitude. What I will say, Mr. Ainsworth, is the Cowboys know that they need corners. They got three of them. They obviously scouted Horn and liked Israel Mukuamu, so they they ended up taking that kid. And listen, I'm not mad at the Cowboys. Two Kentucky guys, Kelvin Joseph <laughs> and Quentin Bohanna, both Cowboys. Shout out to Big D. That's the only time I'll say that. Because I'm now going to my team, Mr. Ainsworth, which is the New York Giants. And so I am uh, diametrically opposed to liking the Cowboys because I root for the Giants. Uh, What I will say, Mr. Ainsworth, about the Giants draft, we talked about kind of before the draft, Dave Gettleman doesn't trade down. He did it twice in this draft. So if you say he doesn't trade down, I guess he's trying to prove to you that he will, as long as he gets the right value. And it feels like he got decent value. The Giants with their first pick, listen, I wanted him to take Parsons. They decided to go Kadarius Toney. Kind of makes sense, right? Because if Danny Dimes is going to be your guy, Give him some weapons to make sure that he's your guy. And then in the second round, they go with Aziz Ojolari. Some folks think that he was the best pass rusher in this draft. I don't necessarily agree, but he's a pretty darn good one. Uh, and so now you can put him on the edge in third down situations and let him basically be like JPP was a couple of years ago, just this incredible athlete to go rush the quarterback. Uh, the Giants did need help in their secondary. They went and addressed that. Aaron Robinson, Rodarius Williams. Um, if I'm looking at the Giants draft, I'm probably going to go B just because there's certain guys who maybe I would have taken. But I also feel like it's kind of an incomplete. Like you got to wait to see what they do with these other picks that they acquired in trading down to really fully evaluate this draft because they got some picks by trading down in both the first and second round. So I'm curious as to what they do with those picks as well. Yeah, I, I kind of see them as an incomplete, right? Like if... Kadarius Tony just turns into the jet sweep guy because you know Jason Garrett loves the jet sweep guy. Like, <laughs> then that was, you should have done something different at 20. But if he really can take the top off because he's fast, like, then that opens up, that that's a whole different grade, right? So I, I kind of look at them as an incomplete picture at this point. And I also kind of, in my mind, again, I maybe would have taken some different guys because if you tell me, hey, Quitty Pay and maybe Rondell Moore, like, you could get 
essentially the At same. The yeah, yeah, you, you yeah, you, and you get the same roles being filled with guys who I think might be a little bit better. But I'm also partial to Rondell Moore because he's a Kentucky guy. I got to see him quite a bit in high school, so maybe maybe I'm partial. <laughs> uh, Mr. Well, Ainsworth, how would you grade the Houston Texans in terms of their draft? Speaking well, of incompletes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of incomplete, it feels incomplete. They were four and twelve last year and are going to be worse this year, right? Because Deshaun Watson doesn't want to play and it may not even be up to him. And like there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff, right? And and as bad as they were and as bad as they're gonna be, they got I guess it's five picks, but it was two thirds, two fifths, and a sixth. They drafted a quarterback with their first pick in the draft at the sixty seventh pick overall. Like, man, they got a lot of things to fill, but they signed Tyrod Taylor. Let's figure something else out. I, I got I wanna say incomplete to be positive, but this feels low low to me. This feels like C minus D Part of it is, I guess, not having the pick capital do much more. But, man, this is bad. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have enough picks to really give them a, a grade that feels fair. That being said, the reason why you didn't have enough picks is because you traded them away, right? This is Bill O'Brien. This is everything that you said about him. We can, again, go back. Check the catalog. Mr. Ainsworth hates Bill O'Brien. Um, <laughs> at least Bill O'Brien, the GM. I think that you had a certain level of respect right. for Bill O'Brien, the coach. But I also feel like you didn't necessarily love uh, Bill O'Brien, the coach, either. So <laughs> so the grade is what it is. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, let's wrap up our draft recap with our big takeaway. So our final fill-in-the-blank question. The biggest takeaway from the NFL draft is blank. Mr. Ainsworth, my biggest takeaway from the NFL draft is Jim Harbaugh must not be a very good coach. Here's where I go with that. Michigan had eight players drafted this year, which is nuts because if you start looking at the teams that had a ton of players drafted, they are Alabama, they are Ohio State, they are Georgia, they are Florida, they are Notre Dame. Go look at how they do in terms of college football and then go look at Michigan. Think about this, Mr. Ainsworth. Michigan had eight players drafted and they had a kid who transferred out that also got drafted, offensive tackle who's on uh, Cincinnati, the Bearcats this year. So they kind of had nine if you kind of squint your eyes and you look at it right. right. Um, and what has Jim Harbaugh done with all that talent? So it feels like my big takeaway is Jim Harbaugh may not be long for that Michigan job. So uh, that's where I'm kind of going to go. Mr. Ainsworth, I am curious. What is your biggest takeaway from this NFL draft, sir? Oh, there's a reason certain teams are always at the top of the draft, and they'll be back in the top <laughs> draft really soon. And I I say that mostly because, you know, I'm an O-line guy. Anyone that follows this podcast a long time knows I'm an O-line guy. But I look at this and I'm like, man, how does Pitt Sewell fall to seven? I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars just spend all their number one pick, all their eggs in the Trevor Lawrence basket, and then turn around again at 25 and take a running back. And, like, I get <laughs> Travis Etienne's really good running back. I'm not even saying he shouldn't have been the second running back taken off the board like he was. I'm just saying I don't know that I'd go running back there. You just put a lot of eggs in the Trevor Lawrence basket, and you literally won a game a year ago, right? Like, this is not rocket science. The offensive line is half the offense. You have 11 players in the field. Five of them are offensive linemen at minimum. You could have at least five offensive linemen. You have to have more of these guys in the field. You need to draft more of them. Listen, I'm not here for your running back slander. As a former running back, <laughs> we need more running backs in the first round. More running backs in the first round. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. 
What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big dudes in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, we are not going to let Aaron Rodgers hijack our (laughs) podcast the way that he almost hijacked the NFL draft. But that being said, this is a big story. Aaron Rodgers, maybe not so happy. Maybe doesn't want to go back to Green Bay. I understand. Who the heck wants to live in Green Bay in November? That being said, Mr. Ainsworth, (laughs) uh, the thesis statement reads, the Green Bay Packers didn't maximize Aaron Rodgers, and he is right to be upset with them. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How are you going to grade that thesis statement? I'm going to give like an A minus. There's only one or two hesitations I have on there. Not actually very big. I, I really have been disappointed in them a little bit. I mean, anyway, I, I'll save it for the rest of the podcast. But that, that that's my initial thought. What do you think, Mr. Cummings? Um, I'm not as high on it. I'm probably going to go B minus. And I really think that I could go C here as well. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and go C. Friends, you basically saw a glimpse into how Mr. Cummings grades everything. First, I think you're going to be a little higher than I ding you. Uh, The thesis statement, Mr. Ainsworth, the Green Bay Packers didn't maximize Aaron Rodgers, and he is right to be upset with them. I decided to go C after originally thinking I was going to go B minus, but of course, easy A Ainsworth decided to go A minus. So talk to me, Mr. Ainsworth, about why (laughs) you're so much higher than I am on this particular thesis statement. Well, so I look at it from a couple of factors, but one, Aaron Rodgers is coming off of playing MVP caliber football, very literally, right? Like, and I know Aaron, if you asked him, probably thinks he's the MVP every year. But <laughs> we both said on this podcast that no, he's the MVP. He's had a great year. Like, there was not a whole lot of questioning going on about Aaron Rodgers and his season last season. It was first season of the floor. Looks like things are clicking. Da da da. And then they get down to the nitty gritty stretch of the playoff game against Tampa Bay, and they're kicking field goals instead of giving the ball to the MVP. They just had like. <laughs> like I'm not saying he was mistake-free in that game. Uh, you can look at some stuff in the first half. They were really, really a very different team from half to half. In and that how game. did you feel about the referees in that game, oh, by the way? We can go back. Oh, uh, we yeah. pull those we can go back. too. We can pull the tape. Yeah, we can pull the tape on that. But I, I maintain, I felt like they were a very talented team last year with him playing some of his best football. I don't know how many years he has left of playing his best football, and I understand him wanting to maximize them. And I understand that – the Green Bay Packers taking Jordan Love with their first-round pick last year is not maximizing those years <laughs> like in the same way that Aaron Rodgers wants, right? Like Jordan Love may be a great quarterback, and I'm sure he's a great kid in person. But if going into a year with a new coach and an aging quarterback is at the end of his prime and is trying to get the most out of the MVP type of years he has left, you don't also take a quarterback then. 
This is not like when they drafted Aaron Rodgers because they drafted Aaron Rodgers with a potential number one overall pick in the 20s, right? Jordan Love was not a potential number one overall pick. It's not the same kind of thing. I don't really like that comparison. Uh, as I look across the board, they have just a lot of not exciting weapons drafted in the last several years, kind of regardless of who's in charge. And <laughs> I, dis I disagree with you so fervently. Like, they have maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL. They drafted. They have one of the best running backs in the NFL. They drafted. They have the best, maybe the best left tackle in the NFL. They drafted. So when you tell me that they have not had exciting drafts, like, that makes no sense to me, considering the actual talent that they have on the field. Like, how can you say that those things aren't exciting? Because if I look at their receivers this year, they went DB and then Amari Rodgers in the third round. Uh, if I but look shouldn't at they have gone defensive back, considering what happened to them against Tampa? Like, it, in that game, it looked to me, in that NFC title game, like defensive back was where they were lacking. So then they decided to draft okay. defensive backs. And then you go back down to your, I'm assuming, going to Valdez Scantling as your top receiver you're talking about? Um, um, you, no. the best okay, Who's the best if, receiver on Green Bay, Mr. Ainsworth? <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm scrolling backwards in drafts. Obviously, you're going to go gotcha, really far gotcha, back. Gotcha. Yeah, if I'm going backwards in drafts, they go to 2018 when they draft Valdez Scantling. In the fifth round, they had drafted a receiver in the fourth round, and they'd gone defense the three picks before that. Again, if you go back, these guys are just not high on their totem pole. If you go far enough back, you keep going back to 20. Uh, 16, Trevor Davis, fifth round. Like, they don't have a receiver before him. 2015, you got Ty Montgomery in the third round. They end up turning into a running back. You got Devontae Adams in the second round. Again, like, that's 2014. Yeah, so we're just going to ignore Devontae Adams, though, right? That's like, seven years ago, Shaka. He's the best receiver in the NFL, potentially, Mr. Ainsworth. It doesn't matter hey. when they drafted him. So here's the thing, Mr. Ainsworth, and this is where I take issue with folks who – kind of ding Green Bay for not drafting wide receivers in the first round or whatever. Do they not develop dudes? Like, is Vontez Scandling a bad receiver? Was Ty Montgomery bad for them? Like, they actually draft these guys. Then these guys come in and they play well. And don't get me wrong. I fully recognize that it's much easier to play receiver when you have Aaron Rodgers. So I'm not sitting here trying to be the guy who tells you, oh, they have Aaron Rodgers and these receivers just develop on their own course. They are better for having that level of quarterback. And what I will go back to, because folks seem to forget this, Green Bay is in the NFC Championship game how many years? In the last five, six, seven years. Like, they're consistently a playoff team. They're consistently winning games. And oh, by the way, Mr. Ainsworth, if we want to talk about maximizing Aaron Rodgers' skill, we can go look at some of them games and see how Aaron Rodgers played in those NFC Championship games. Because the reality is, it ain't like he showed up and had his best games in those NFC Championship games either. So if we want to have the conversation about, has Green Bay done everything that they could possibly do? I feel like the conversation definitely needs to be more balanced. Because I guarantee you, if you ask Dan Marino or Jim Kelly, or Fran Tarkington, or Dan Fouts, or Warren Moon, or Philip Rivers about what's happening in Green Bay, all them guys would be like, you know what, I kind of would take what's going on there, because at least you get a Super Bowl. Them guys didn't get one. So I, I don't want to go into this thinking, oh, Aaron Rodgers, he's, you pity him, woe is him. He's got MVPs, he's got a Super Bowl championship. They have put talent around that man. 
right? Now, if you want to start talking about defensively what they could do, like you have to understand Green Bay, they can't sign a bunch of free agents. Nobody wants to go live in Green Bay in November, including Aaron Rodgers' girlfriend, right? But that's also why he's frustrated, seeing this franchise that they don't, that free agents don't come to as well. He's sitting there watching a guy older than him throw three picks in the first half, should have been four picks in the first half of the playoff game on the opposite sideline, go to a new city and win a Super Bowl in his new city the first year because everyone flocks to go sign there too because it's in Florida in an offseason <laughs> with this guy. He can see this literally happening across the country. He's like, I want to go do that thing. That thing is what just worked. Like That makes total sense because Green Bay can't pull guys in. You're exactly right. And if you want to blame that on external factors, that makes a lot of sense. That may not be a front <laughs> office a- issue. However, it's still an issue regardless of where it stems from. No, absolutely. It is an issue and that's why green bay drafts incredibly well like what where who are we to question green bay's draft picks as if green bay doesn't draft a bunch of folks who they then go play and then go win with like point to me at the guys who are on this roster that they drafted and it's like oh i guess we have to kind of use that dude the the area where that happens is in the defensive backfield so now green bay comes into this draft and says we need to draft defensive backs. Like, I guess my thing, Mr. Ainsworth, is I fully recognize that when you look at Aaron Rodgers' talent, you would say he should win more than one Super Bowl. I would also say Drew Brees only won one Super Bowl. Peyton Manning only won two. Let's keep in mind the dude who all these guys have to go beat. Right? Because this is what I managed to talk about last year when the offseason started. We just forget that Tom Brady is incredible. Like, Tom Brady is, to the NFL, what Michael Jordan was to the NBA in the 90s. You have all these great players like Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing. And you want to look at them and say, Charles Barkley didn't maximize his ability? No, he ran into Michael friggin' Jordan. And in two years because I know you'll appreciate this, Mr. Ainsworth, he ran into Hakeem Olajuwon, right? So we're going to blame those guys for running into a GOAT? Like, I don't know that we should do that. Aaron Rodgers ran into the GOAT. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in terms of winning that we've ever seen. And so they ran into each other in the NFC Championship game, and Aaron Rodgers put up more yards, better completions, less interceptions, and a Absolutely, and his defensive backfield let him down. So Green Bay then went into this draft and drafted defensive backs. What did you want them to do? So the defensive backfield let them down. Let's draft more receivers. Why? That doesn't make any sense. The defensive backfield let them down. They drafted so they shouldn't corners. Have, so they shouldn't have taken a corner. Like, fixing this year's NFC Championship game would have happened in last year's draft when they took his backup instead of, like, they could have gotten Chason, the next pick last year, to, to go follow up behind and go rush the passer. They could have taken Justin Jefferson to help him out to score more points. Yeah, it's almost like they didn't have enough talent on the team to go to the NFC Championship game last year. Oh, wait. No, they did. So what are we talking about? Green Bay drafted well. Because they went to the NFC Championship game each of the last two years. So I guess here's, Mr. Ainsworth, if you want to say, hey, listen, I am with Aaron Rodgers in terms of let's go see what we can find with the draft with receivers and you want to come to a C with me, like, okay, because that's where I'm at. Like, I understand the sentiment. What I look at is the actual lived experience and reality. They won. They've been winning. 
Like because this... he's there. You just said yourself, he makes receivers look better, Shaka. Absolutely. Like, this is all like he's playing at an MVP level. Yes, that's why it's not an F, Mr. Aintworth, because I fully recognize how great he is and how he elevates guys. That's why it's not an F. But it's not an A. It's not an A. So Aaron Rodgers then is going to leave this squad and go where now? And just all of a sudden do the things that he's been doing? Like, we could say, oh, go to New Orleans. Because Drew Brees, who historically is as great a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers is, he got to so many NFC Championship games with the squad that he has. Oh, no. Aaron Rodgers has been doing that, right? The talk was to go to Shanahan in San Francisco. That's what, That was the conversation, right? And the conversation there is a team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago with a guy much worse than Aaron Rodgers. Oh, no, absolutely. And let me just tell right? you, as soon like, as he goes there with those thing. receivers, that he'll miss Green Bay. Because he'll go there with them receivers, and he'll recognize, you know what, Green Bay wasn't so bad. Because the best yeah. receiver that they got is Kittle. And you could go look at the numbers that Tanyan put up this year at tight end. Like, Tanyan is as good a tight end as you'll see in the NFL with the exception of the elite guys. But now if you go look at Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams as a receiver is way better than anything San Francisco's rolling out there. Uh, they also have Shanahan calling the plays. They also, And then I think you're really, really like just saying, oh, George Kittle, like, time. Like, no, George Kittle's a whole different I literally just player. said that George yeah. Kittle is in a class by himself in terms of tight end. And then what I said was, Robert Tanyan is his... What are his numbers? What are his numbers? So you're telling me that George Kittle and any one of San Francisco's receivers is better than Tanyan and Devontae Adams? What world do you live in? And then throw the running backs in there too because all of a sudden these guys are better than Aaron Jones let's throw the offensive line in there too because all of a sudden San Francisco has a better offensive line than Green Bay what are you out your mind just go look at the stats Mr. Ainsworth go look at anything in pro football focus you find a thing that supports what you're saying because the fact that they were in the NFC championship game last year kind of supports what I'm saying all right Mr. Cummings our last thesis for this week takes a look at the latest baseball news or discussion. I say latest. There's really been a week-long discussion. Feels <laughs> like. But the thesis reads, the MLB should acknowledge that Madison Bumgarner's threw a no-hitter on Sunday of last week. So before we dive in too far, what is your grade on the thesis? A plus, 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 plus. Mr. Ainsworth, do you just want to add more pluses or are you going to disagree and take the other side? No, I'm on the same boat. I don't know how many pluses you just had, but sure, all of the pluses. <laughs> all right, Mr. Cummings, I lost count of how many pluses you had, but I did not lose count of how many hits Bumpgarner threw up because he didn't have any. <laughs> so my question here is, what is the deal with this Bumpgarner no-hitter, and why isn't it one? We explain to the audience what's going on here. Absolutely. So here's the deal. Major League Baseball, I guess it was uh, back in the – 2000s they essentially put together a commission to look at no hitters and decide what the rules are around no hitters and the decision is you have to go at least nine innings for it to be counted as a no hitter so they literally went back and retroactively took no hitters off the books so like imagine that imagine being andy hawkins you threw an eight inning no hitter for the new york yankees back in 1990 and then you find out after the fact that your no hitter was taken off the books like it's fine <laughs> that it happened to matt young because he's a red sox guy but not it's not fine <laughs> to happen to andy hawkins right but uh madison bumgarner pitches last sunday gives up no hits the game only went seven innings because this year 
with COVID protocols and how baseball scheduled, they have some of these scheduled double headers where each game is only seven innings long. So this was right. a part of what they negotiated with the uh, players union. So they have them. Madison Bumgarner, that's not on him. He's just following your rules. He goes out there. He gives up no hits in the seven innings, and Major League Baseball won't recognize it as a no-hitter. So, of course, Madison Bumgarner, um, he's a little sarcastic about it, but I kind of understand that. I kind of get it. It's like you made the rules, and now I followed your rules, and I threw my no-hitter. And so the question is, why is this not a no-hitter again, Mr. Ainsworth? <laughs> the predetermined length of the game is not really up – like. Him individually, <laughs> he, like, he didn't say after seven innings, hey, I got to tap out here, right? Like, <laughs> he pitched two more innings. I'm sure he just stuck in there, right? Like, that's who he is. <laughs> I mean, and he goes out there. He's brilliant. He throws a no-hitter. Everyone's celebrating him. It feels like why in baseball do we go through kind of this foolishness? Like, wouldn't it have been awesome to just celebrate Madison Bumgarner's no-hitter, right? And listen, if – the sports talk shows on Monday are talking about the controversy around whether or not it's a no-hitter because baseball's counting it, then that's okay. But it felt like baseball just got dinged on this thing all over the rules around no-hitters. So for me, Mr. Ainsworth, Madison Bumgarner threw a no-hitter. Now, the problem is nobody cares what Mr. Cummings thinks, apparently. So I don't think that that's, like, in his contract. But the Arizona Diamondbacks should honor the fact that he threw a no-hitter. And if he's got any sort of kickers in his contract, pay that man because he didn't give up any hits. Now, um, he wasn't great in his next outing, but who cares? He threw a no-hitter last Sunday, and that's really all that matters. <laughs> yeah, he threw, a, he threw a no-hitter, and he sits here as a guy that threw a no-hitter for the duration of the entire game. I just can't get over this. Like, It's not he didn't throw a complete game. He did complete the game. Absolutely. He literally did everything that you asked of him. Like, this is, you know what this feels like, Mr. Ainsworth? Like, we as teachers, we grade stuff all the time, right? And so we create these rubrics. Could you imagine, Mr. Ainsworth, of creating the rubric, going through the rubric, giving the student the highest possible score on every aspect of the rubric and just being like, eh, see. Like, could you imagine doing that? Like, that kid would have every right to come back to you and say, listen, I did everything that you asked of me, and I did it as well as I could possibly do it. And instead of rewarding the effort, you're finding a way to somehow disparage the effort that I put forward. Madison Bumgarner did everything that Major League Baseball and the Arizona Diamondbacks asked him to do for seven innings, as well as anyone in history has done it by not allowing a hit. And he should get a no-hitter for that. Incidentally, Mr. Ainsworth, baseball reference will tell you he should get a no-hitter. And the guys who I mentioned... Andy Hawkins, Matt Young, they believe right. that those are no-hitters as well because essentially if you have a pre-established endpoint that baseball puts out there and then the game ends and you don't give up a hit, like, that's not on us. That's on you. What happened with both Andy Hawkins and Matt Young is that they were the home team pitchers and so – I should say, yeah, they were the home team pitchers. And so, essentially, um, the game ends before the road team kind of gets the bat. You know, baseball. Right, right, right. So, essentially, they, they pitch the eight innings, and it's like, what, that doesn't make any sense. We did everything that we we're supposed to do. Those are no hitters. Like, based on the rules of the game, it feels weird, right? Well, and it's not – this wasn't like a rain out or like something crazy. This was a predetermined deal, right? This is a just a – it's a whole different deal. And to me, if I'm a pitcher, I assume things in my contract 
get boosted if I throw things like no hitter. Like, like those are accomplishments. And you see a lot of incentive laden deals. Or when he goes up for the next deal, if he can say, I've thrown this many no hitters and I throw this one, like those kinds of things add up in their contracts. And so I'd be a little frustrated if this were affecting my bottom line because you have some predetermined list and you won't just give me credit for what I've already done. Like he already did this. I'm also imagining that the players union, I'm wondering if they knew about, like, I wonder if they knew that kind of this could be an outcome. Like if someone pitches a no hitter or a perfect game that it just doesn't count. Cause like, I'm wondering if this is something that the players union could have negotiated into kind of the bylaws around doing this because it feels like you know Madison Bumgarner did everything possible his team wins the game at least with you know Andy Hawkins and Matt Young those guys lost the game they just didn't give up any hits right so there's errors and so the other team scores and so whatever is whatever there right Madison Bumgarner did everything possible his team won the game it feels like we should get credit for that I'm wondering if the players union like, is this something that maybe they dropped the ball on? Or is this something that they kind of knew could happen, but they weren't worried about it? Like, Mr. Aceworth, how would you feel about it if your players' union kind of didn't negotiate this so that you could get your no-hitter? Well, and he's not one of the speaking reps, and I think that's worth pointing out. because, And I, I don't actually know the breakdown on what, how many pitchers are. But it's got to be the kind of thing where people just hadn't thought of it in those meeting rooms. Because... Again, the players' union wouldn't want those taken away from their potential career earnings. If you're looking at these as incentives, it's, I guess you would assume that you're forfeiting and going to like a doubleheader situation. I guess on the combination of the games, you're forfeiting four innings of potential hits and whatever, and, and what that could do. But I don't know that you initially understand the intricacies of that rule because I would assume most pitchers are the only ones paying attention to that fine a detail of the rule while also doing all things you have to do like to be a pro athlete, right? Like it's not like there are people like us sit around and talk about sports all day. Like they have <laughs> to do a lot of stuff with baseball throughout the day. And I'm sure that that's why it fell to the back end. I just don't understand why this isn't such an easy fix. Like this, this to me is this could very easily be a fix because regardless of what happened in the past, you're bringing up past seven inning or past eight inning, no hitters and so on. This could have only happened in the last like eight months. Like, the seven-inning complete game no-hitter was not a thing before eight months ago, right? And so, to me, this is very much a current issue that you can currently fix with the current rules because it's all something that just now is happening. Listen, we know that Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred does not have a great track record of looking at current problems and fixing them. Uh, just ask the New York Yankees and the LA Dodgers about the whole Houston Astros thing. Right, Mr. Nitor? <laughs> <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, tell folks about Midweek Midrange. What's going on? How come there's always two people and then you don't call me to pull up? <laughs> no. Well, so last week we had a really fun episode of Midweek Midrange. We talked to Andy Patton of Scores X. And you know Score. I love Andy. And you know I <laughs> no, love Andy. Everyone, but I wanted to make sure Andy had a lot of time to talk because we talked all things Gonzaga basketball, right? And so he had a lot of airtime, which meant it was just he and I. But Andy talked about Zags going to pros in this offseason's draft. He had talked about how Gonzaga's year finished up and the kind of rise to prominence they've got, I guess you'd say. Um, and we also looked at like guys going into Gonzaga, whether that's Chet Holmgren or Van Bojang, and, and how those kind of things will shape what moves forward with college basketball. Fun, fun episode. This week we got more NBA talk as we're winding down the regular season. Um, obviously, if you know anything about me, we'll probably mention Kevin Porter Jr.'s name again. Uh, <laughs> Midweek Midrange is every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. That's 9 o'clock Eastern. It's on YouTube and Twitter. And then it's obviously stored on YouTube afterwards. You want to watch the tape after. So don't be afraid to pull up. Wednesday is 9 o'clock.
Absolutely. Mr. Ainsworth, I love what you said there. It's like, we basically wanted Andy to be able to talk, so we couldn't have you on. That makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I, I had to watch myself, too. I was like, I, I don't want to talk over <laughs> um, I love the debate about the best Gonzaga player in the NBA. I assume that you were talking president NBA, so you said Cole, Kelly Olenek, and then you're like, um, uh, do you know about that point guard from back in the 90s? Yeah, I'm sure Mr. Ainsworth knew about him. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, do you want to go ahead and give folks your social so they can yell at you about John Stockton? <laughs> yeah, well, since he hit the shot in 90, was at 97, we've just stopped talking about him in Houston. Um, <laughs> no, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth 512 It's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. All one word on Twitter and Instagram. We have a FN Sports Twitter page, too. That's at FN Sports 2. That's the number two, F-I-N S-P-O-R-T-S, number two. All one word on Twitter. I'll use dash P-A. Shaka use dash C-C so you know which one of us you're talking to. Shaka, we got Instagram, too. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. Incidentally, like Isaiah Thomas should have been on that dream team instead of John Stockton. Y'all could come at me. I don't care. You can come at me. You can come at me on Twitter or on Instagram at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S friends. I'm just trying to beef with Andy, I guess. Um, Go check out Scores X. Score. It's a great podcast. Uh, friends, thank you guys for listening. Please go out, like, subscribe, share, do all the wonderful things that help out the podcast and Please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.